Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Fugue for Thought, the podcast. I am Alan, and I know it has been a long time. There's lots to catch up on, things to edit, things to upload, things that I'd like to say. But um, I came across something today online that I would like to spend just a little bit of time talking about. I'm going to be writing, maybe have already written by this point, an article um, discussing today's topic. You might notice that our entry music is a little bit different, um, and that's because today's episode is a little bit special. I don't know how long this is going to be, um, but I just wanted to do it anyway. I learned uh, just about an hour ago uh, that someone who I had kind of an interesting, very little bit of interaction with um, has recently passed away. That is the uh, American violinist Paul Zukowski. Paul Zukowski was born on October 22nd, 1943, in Brooklyn, New York. Um, his father was a poet and objectivist, um, and he was a violinist. Um, I'm not going to pretend like I know a lot about him or like we were close friends or anything like that. In fact, I never met or spoke to him in person or even uh, over the phone, but we exchanged over a certain period of time, very, eh, not very many, but quite a number of emails um, as a result of a story uh, that I'm going to tell now. It's a brief story, but um, this is kind of how it all happened. I was sitting in a concert um, here where I live in Taipei, Taiwan, uh, and it was just before a business trip to Canada. This was in March of 2015, I believe, maybe the end of February. And I was listening to the Taipei Symphony with violinist Karen Gomio playing Mozart's fifth violin concerto. And as I was listening, I was thinking of a problem that I was having, and that problem was completely unrelated to the concert at hand, um, and it might not even have been during the Mozart concerto, but it was at some point during that concert. I had been trying to get my hands on a recording of the third string quartet of American composer Milton Babbitt. Now, if you read my blog, or website, or whatever you want to call it, you know that I have kind of recently taken an interest, recently as in the past few years, taken an interest in Babbitt's work. And uh, it's been one of the little discoveries that I can't say I have much to say about or much knowledge of, but it's been fascinating and been very rewarding to learn about and, and begin to appreciate his music. 
I had recordings of the second, fourth, fifth, and sixth quartets, but not the third. Um, Babbitt withdrew his first quartet, so while there is a number six, there are only five extant quartets. And I was thinking of how in the world it can be that there's no way I'm able to get my hands on a recording of the third. I had looked online, and I had searched, and I had tried to find every which way, YouTube or iTunes or somehow, to uh, find a copy, and I couldn't do it. And I thought, why don't we just re-record them? And it struck me then as a brilliant idea. The second quartet of Babbitt uh, dates from the 1950s and was recorded sometime in a decade or two after that, I think. Um, the third and fourth date right from uh, the 70s, the fifth was in the 80s, and then the sixth uh, was in the 90s. And so they spread across practically half a century. Uh, but each one has only been recorded once. So um, excited and very naive me decides to look around and see who I can find that might know anything or have any interest in a little recording project. At the time, I also had no idea how expensive recordings like this would be. So there were a number of people uh, who I contacted to try to find out um, how this might be able to happen with no other direction aside from my naivete and attempt to uh, see, you know, who might be interested. So the first stop on my little trip was um, the Fine Arts Quartet. The Fine Arts Quartet uh, was the quartet who recorded the only recording ever made of Milton Babbitt's third quartet. So naturally, I thought maybe they would know. So I sent them an email and their first violinist, a very nice man named Ralph Evans, uh, responded to my email and said, nope, uh, we don't sell that recording. We don't have it anymore. We did do that, but it was decades ago and I wasn't around then. Um, and we had some discussions about, hey, what about, you know, what do you guys think about recording it? Not that, that I was proposing it, but what are your thoughts on it? And he said, it will be very expensive. And he calculated that expensive to the tune of something upwards of about $100,000 US with the assurance that he knows what he's talking about. And that matches um, much of what I later heard from other people about what it would probably cost uh, to record works like these. The five quartets come to something probably just over one CD worth of material, something like just shy of an hour and a half, give or take if I remember correctly. Um, but the difficulty of the music and the performers' likely unfamiliarity with the music and all of those things um, means that it would take a lot of rehearsal time and mastering and all of that. Um, some people kind of spitball estimated upwards of $150,000. Um, so, you know, we felt like Kickstarter or something else, but um, as you are probably not aware, um, but unsurprisingly, um, it didn't happen. Um, so I tried to track down the quartet, um, by other means. I eventually did find it. Um, I'll include maybe that link, um, if I can find it now. 
there was a little record store in California who has a reprint or something on CD, and I ordered the physical copy, and a few weeks later, uh, it came to my office. So I did get it, and it was the Fine Arts Quartet, and it is a fascinating work worth all of the trouble it took me to find the recording. And even after that, I thought, you know, maybe it's time to try to do this. So very long story, slightly shorter. My greatest motivation to try to get that done was to find some way to try to preserve uh, works whose recordings had gone out of print and weren't readily accessible and couldn't be found even illegally, seriously, um, on you know YouTube or anything for people to even have the opportunity to begin to appreciate this work. Um, one of the people who I contacted was Mr. Paul Zukowski. In doing research about how all of these quartets, where they've been performed and obviously have not been recorded, but, but their history, I found information about a concert given at the Miller Theater. This was a composer portraits concert, I believe, uh, in November of 2008. There was a New York Times article entitled Side by Side in a Marathon honoring Babbitt with six vigorous works. Now, you notice they say six. The writer of this article um, does mention that the five completed quartets were performed, as was what remains of the first. Um, probably the only time it's ever been performed. And at this concert, in attendance, were people like Milton Babbitt himself, um, as well as James Levine, as well as Elliot Carter, uh, as well as many others, I am sure. Um, and so all the quartets were performed by a quartet named the Zukowski Quartet. So this was very interesting to me. Um, I looked into it. And I learned something. First, very interesting was that I could not find anywhere any other mention of this Zukowski Quartet. So I can't remember at this point, uh, without digging through old emails, how I found out about this. Um, it might have been through the violinist, one of the violinists of the Zukowski Quartet, um, David Fulmer, who is also a composer. Um, or perhaps just through finding Paul Zukowski's name online. Um, his website is called Musical Observations. Um, and I emailed Mr. Zukowski and I said, hey, what about this concert where these Babbitt works were performed? And he said that the four uh, musicians that made up the ad hoc Zukowski Quartet, Aaron Boyd, uh, Cyrus Berukim, Alberto Parini, and David Fulmer, asked Mr. Zukowski if they could name the quartet in his honor, and he, of course, said yes. That really is most of my story. Um, after that point, I spoke with Mr. Zukowski in numerous emails that got ever shorter on my end. Um, as you probably know, I tend to be a bit verbose, uh, if you've listened to any of the, the previous episodes, um, because I really had nowhere to start and didn't know what questions to ask. And my assumption as a relatively young um, internet user was that with email, there's no necessity to respond immediately, no sense of urgency. And so when I sent Mr. Zukowski an email 
and saw that he had responded, I would respond as soon as I had something to say, which was rather often. Um, and this is exacerbated by the fact that we lived in the same time zone. Uh, I live in Taipei, and he was located um, in Hong Kong, which was a surprise for me to find out, which was um, you know, something like less than an hour and a half's flight away from where I live and in the same time zone. So um, unlike many people, I didn't have to send an email and wait 12 or 14 or 16 hours um, until it was their daytime. So um, that was convenient for me, but <laughs> perhaps more of an annoyance to Mr. Zukovsky. And on more than one occasion, he would send me an email in response that said, no more for today. Thank you. Later. PZ. He would sign his emails PZ, and I began addressing him as Mr. Z. And as a result, to this day, work emails or otherwise, I almost always close my emails only with my initials. Um, but through this process of um, asking questions about the recording process, about the music, about so many of these things. I learned quite a hell of a lot about Mr. Zukovsky himself, about the music that he was interested in, about the recording process, about how these things go down, you might say. What's involved in producing one album of four performers playing, you know, 60 minutes worth of music? Um, and what kind of experience he has and how he thinks about music and all of those things just from emails, you know, in a time when um, we're privileged enough, we have the opportunity to be able to interact with these kinds of people where we don't have to be face-to-face -face or wait weeks for, you know, a physical handwritten letter and that kind of thing um, was really amazing. And it was just email and it was just a uh, a man who moved to Hong Kong, as he said, for his retirement. Um, doing what he loved and answering probably slightly perturbed uh, responses to emails from a young kid. But to me, it, it meant a lot. It was fascinating to learn um, about Mr. Zukovsky's relationship with Mr. Babbitt, with a composer who you may know more about, Philip Glass. Zukovsky was the dedicatee and, I think, co-commissioner of Philip Glass's first violin concerto that dates back from the 80s, um, along with Dennis Russell Davies, who told Glass that he would not let him be one of those composers who didn't write symphonic music or something along those lines. Um, and just having a look here at my iTunes, I see in, when I look for Zukovsky, um, I see in my library I have him conducting uh, a work of Milton Babbitt, Relata One, with the Juilliard Orchestra. I have him performing pieces by Roger Sessions, conducting works by Arthur Schnabel, uh, his first and third symphonies with the Prague Symphony, uh, Roger Sessions' Violin Concerto, um, Roger Sessions' Duo for Violin and Piano, um, Sonata for Violin, as well as... I believe he played in Milton Babbitt's four play, F-O-U-R play, as well as Septet But Equal. Um, and actually, if you look him up in iTunes, there's quite a bit of music that he has recorded, most of it quite modern. Um, the Bach piece that opened this little episode uh, is the 
violin sonata in G minor. Um, anyone who's familiar with Zukovsky's name might not think of him, um, you know, represented by Bach or Mozart. Um, but as I will talk about shortly, um, the article from the Strad, which was only published just a day or two ago, also almost a week um, after Mr. Zukovsky's passing, has the feature image as cover art um, from a recording that Zukovsky made of Bach pieces. So there you go. Um, that was also, mind you, played by Li Mei uh, and downloaded from um, museopen.org, the violin sonata in G minor, BWV 1001. So um, thanks very much to her for a wonderful performance of that. That will be our intro and outro music for today. Um, but through many, many emails and probably some annoyance that I caused him, I was able to enjoy many insights um, about Philip Glass's music, about Milton Babbitt's music, very little about Roger Sessions' music, but through some questions and some ponderings that he was willing to share with me, um, I was able to think just a little bit differently about very modern music and music that most people um, probably would not give much chance to listening. But ultimately, it was the fact that here is this, the impression that I got really a truly wonderful musical mind. Um, and I just thought it was so cool that he had the time to exchange emails with someone who had a ridiculous idea like I did. Um, he shared with me nothing but a word about his very strong distaste for the works of Alfred Schnitka, saying he refused to speak of them. But through some longer emails and some very short emails, um, I was able to get insights from a person who I came to respect very much. Um, at some point, he sent me his CV, which was very, very, very many pages long, and he told me how he had some recordings of his own planned um, to master and wanted to release, but they got canceled. Um, someone who seemed to have his hands in every aspect of music, from instruction and performance and conducting, recording, uh, mastering, producing, writing. Um, his, his website, Musical Observations, has some fantastic, really fantastic articles um, if not a little bit maybe over my head as a complete amateur, um, about a wide variety of topics all related to music or violin performance. Um, and I was on Facebook just today earlier at work and saw a link that someone had shared about um, the upcoming performance of Paul Glass's very new 11th Symphony uh, in Turkey, I believe this weekend. And one of the comments um, said, so sad to hear of Mr. Zukovsky's passing. And that was the first I had heard. So I did a swift Google search and looked it up online. And sure enough, um, his Wikipedia page says that he passed away on June 6th, which was a week ago, my yesterday, as of the time of this recording. And as a matter of fact, um, the article from the Strad was published just today, June 13th, 2017. Well, yesterday for me. Um, and the featured 
image is a very young Paul Zukowski um, on an album cover from Vanguard featuring Bach's six sonatas and partitas for violin. Um, so they were also almost a week late um, mentioning the passing of this great violinist. They mentioned that he specialized particularly in the performance of 20th century repertoire, working with such composers as, and they mentioned first, Milton Babbitt, as well as John Cage, Elliot Carter, George Crumb, Feldman, Glass, Penderecki, Schnabel, and on and on. And so I think if I were to tell people that a famous violinist who I had come to know sort of, kind of, uh, over the past few years um, has passed away, and they say, oh, who? It's not a name you would know, uh, like Hilary Hahn or any of the, not up-and-coming, but already very famous uh, young performers. And in fact, aside from the association with Babbitt and Glass, and sessions, I don't know that I had ever heard Zukowski's name before, but in the very few really solid interactions I had with him, again, all via email, I came to have enormous respect for him. And so I think it's a little sad that um, he kind of came and went, and there was not much fanfare made uh, about his passing, because, again, at the risk of sounding repetitive, um, I came to have a great respect for him and the music that he stood for and the fact that he probably found me very annoying but was still willing to share little bits and pieces of his wisdom. say just a little bit about my interaction with him, but I wanted to do that. So um, take a look in iTunes uh, if you buy music from iTunes or your local library or your record store, and look for his performances either as violinist or as conductor of music that maybe you wouldn't typically listen to. Uh, it's modern, but obviously Glass, Philip Glass, is an excellent place to start. He never recorded the first violin concerto, but it is, maybe you could think of it as his piece. And Philip Glass obviously is a, an outstanding, famous American composer with an incredible career. But aside from that, maybe check out the violin concerto from Roger Sessions. Uh, that recording is conducted by... Gunther Schuller, who was also a very good friend and associate of Milton Babbitt, who passed away just a few years ago. Roger Sessions, incredible American composer and also teacher of Milton Babbitt. Um, it's a wonderful concerto, and it's interesting in that the orchestra does not contain any other violins. The solo violin is the only violin in the ensemble. Um, I asked Mr. Zukowski um, very briefly, if he had anything to share at all about this piece. And that was when he told me, we're going to have to break off our correspondence for now. I am very ill. And he apologized. 
Um, and that was at least a year, year and a half ago. And just a number of months ago, uh, maybe two or three months ago, I sent him another email just to say, don't feel any need to respond, but I wanted to say hello, and I hope everything is well, and never got a response. Um, and just learned today of his passing last week. He was 73 years old. Wikipedia reports that he died of non-Hodgkin lymphoma. So, in closing, I would like to say that the music that you have heard all your life and are familiar with, um, that sells records and fills concert halls, is not all of the music that there is. And in this kind of dusty back room that the largest portion of classical music listeners are not familiar with or can't be bothered to enter, there's an entire other world of incredible musicians and performers and composers who are interested in promoting and performing music that maybe you have never heard of or don't have any interest in. But Paul Zukowski was one of the people who worked very hard to promote all of this music. And just maybe, with a little bit of effort, if you give it a try, you will find it to be very interesting and very rewarding. One of the most memorable things he wrote, not said to me, was uh, in preparing an article about one of Milton Babbitt's earliest pieces. He told me, you know what? You don't need to analyze and understand and dissect the music as complicated as it is because you just have to listen to it and you can appreciate it that way. There's nothing wrong with that. Which goes contrary to so much of the analysis and discussion of um, modern music that's very complicated, but that's not necessary. So maybe give it a try, and next time you do, um, whether you're listening to his own recording or not, think of Paul Zukowski.